text is from Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Please follow along as I read the passage aloud for us. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is God's word. Uh, so today we're actually concluding our series that's been titled House of Prayer. And over the last eight weeks, we've been camped out in this section of Matthew mostly. Um, we've been in a few other places. But one of our objectives in the series has been to look at what prayer is. And as we've been wrestling and grappling and meditating uh, on prayer, we've actually discovered many things. And I hope that you have been encouraged, I've been encouraged, and I hope that you've been blessed and challenged by this series. I know that I have, especially working on this sermon. But I do love the fact that we've been looking at prayer over the last eight weeks. It's been really good for us as a church. I mean, prayer is such an intimate part of the Christian life. You know, my high school uh, driver's ed teacher used to say, you will always drift towards wherever your eyes are looking. And I hope that as we've been looking at prayer during the series, that we've been either knowingly or unknowingly drifting more towards prayer in our lives, whether that be in thought or in action. And so before we dive in, I'd like to pause and pray. So if you would bow your heads with me. God, your word in Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so God, we look to you this morning as the maker of heaven and earth. And we ask that you would meet us in this place, that you would help us to be aware and feel your presence in this room. And God, we pray that you would minister to our hearts this morning as we worship you together. And we pray for this in Jesus' name, amen. There are all kinds of different prayers that we pray. Some are prayers of praise, some are of gratitude, others are prayers of confession. I mean, there's corporate prayer, there's listening prayer, there's Emmanuel prayer. There are all kinds of ways that we pray. And many of our prayers are filled with petitions or requests to God. And in these petitions, we're often asking God to meet us in our situations, to intervene, to move in a way that will either bring healing or resolve issues in our lives, maybe at our jobs or in our relationships with our friends or significant others, or maybe our prayers are for our own bodies or the bodies of someone that we love. We wanna see God bring healing in us. But sometimes through prayer, all we really want is for God to completely extract us out of our situation, either one way or another. And so when we pray, we are often looking to God and looking for God. We desperately want him to move. And this is often can be where the rubber hits the road of our faith relationships with him. And so the title of my sermon this morning is Our Search for God Through Prayer. 
And I wanna look at how we look for God in prayer and what we find when we're looking for God in prayer. And my goal, my hope for this morning is that you would be encouraged to keep seeking God through prayer, that God would strengthen you as you contend for a lifestyle of prayer in all things. And as you're contending that you would know his mercy and his goodness and his love for you as he's revealing himself more and more. And so when it comes to searching for God through prayer, I wanna talk about three things this morning. I wanna talk about the challenge of prayer, the need for prayer, and the hope of prayer. But first, let's start with the challenge of prayer. Tim Keller in his book on prayer says, I can think of nothing great that is also easy. Prayer must be then one of the hardest things in the world. To admit that prayer is very hard, however, can be encouraging. If you struggle greatly in this, you are not alone. Prayer is hard for everyone. This was actually point number one uh, from Dave's sermon last week. Prayer is hard. This is the elephant in the room for us. Doesn't matter who you are, we all wrestle with prayer. As a matter of fact, in his letter to the church of Colossae, Paul writes, Epaphras, is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Wrestling in prayer has been a part of the Christian experience since the beginning of the church. Even before then, see Genesis chapter three. And since that time, our struggle with prayer and God has been a part of our story. There's a disconnect that we feel between us and God. And many things can make prayer feel difficult. I mean, for one, sometimes when we engage in prayer, God feels elusive to us. God feels hard to find. You know, in meditating on this model of prayer that Jesus gave us, I've been drawn to the opening four words of this prayer. Our Father in heaven. Sometimes we feel like there's this huge chasm between us and God. We don't feel his nearness or he feels deafeningly silent. And when we think of our Father in heaven, the concept of heaven in our mind can feel like some far off distant place. I mean, we look around us and a city like San Francisco at times can feel anything like anything but heaven. I mean, look at our news cycles, the overwhelmingly unhoused and mentally ill epidemic that we have in the city, the drug addiction, the violence, the crime, the theft, Or maybe it's the chaos in our own lives. Maybe it's our personal hurt, pain, loss, or even confusion that we feel at times. These are the things that can make prayer feel overwhelming and hard. It's hard for us to see God. But if we're honest, if we're truly honest with ourselves, it's not actually just God that feels hard to find. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes we're the ones who are elusive to God. We actually see this, uh, a picture of this in Genesis in the garden after the serpent deceived Adam and Eve and they disobeyed God, they peaced out. They went and hid. And the text tells us, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to them, where are you? 
Because sometimes it's God saying to us, where are you? Because we too hide from God. We hide out of a sense of shame. We hide out of a sense of guilt. Or maybe we've had like a lapse of, ju- of judgment and we've made a really bad decision and now we're living with those uh, life consequences in the, in the circumstance. Maybe it's uh, the shame of an addiction that we can't shake. And we tell ourselves, I'll just figure this out myself and then I'll invite God into it. Or maybe we've turned our back on God out of anger and we're just mad and we're the ones giving God the silent treatment. Whatever the case is, we wrestle in prayer because there's a disconnect between us and God. We can't see God. We can't see where he is or how he's at work in our lives. But one of the revelations I had while working on this sermon is that sometimes seeing God at work in our lives really is all about perspective. It's a Jesus-focused, Holy Spirit-sought perspective. Dave and Malia McKinney, they lead our uh, prayer ministry here at Reality. And in that ministry, they practice something called Emmanuel prayer. Emmanuel meaning God with us. And these are sessions where someone uh, from the prayer team who's trained in Emmanuel prayer will walk with you and guide you through experiencing Jesus in prayer. It's very powerful. But every session starts with this line. I admit that sin, wounds, and lies hinder my perspective. See, our brokenness and things that happen to us can limit our ability to see God. Our brokenness and things that happen to us um, affects our perspective because we need perspective to see where and how God is at work in our lives. You know, when I pray, I often pray, God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. In the scriptures, uh, we see uh, Jesus in the New Testament often teaching the crowds in parables. And when his disciples asked why he taught in parables, he responded, though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Sometimes, many times, we can't see the things of God and we need to ask God for help. We need the spirit of God to help us see the things of God. We need, to seek the, we need to seek the Spirit of God through the help of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Spirit will give us that perspective through a spouse or friends or maybe even family members or people from our community, people in our lives who are praying for us and who are praying with us. It's important for us to invite people into the things that, that, that are going on in our lives. Because see, the reality is is that we all have blind spots. And God is often at work through the lives of others and others can help us see what we can't see on our own. We just have to be open to it. But also there are times when perspective doesn't come right away. Sometimes it doesn't come until time has passed. Maybe it's a week, maybe it's a month, maybe even years. It could be hard to see the things in the moment of our situations. But as time goes by, we can reflect back and see where God was at work and how he was at work. 
And sometimes we just need to be far removed from the situation, either physically or over time. You know, sometimes if I'm, if I'm having a hard time seeing how God is at work uh, in a situation, there are ways that I try to get perspective uh, on things. And I would encourage you to try some of these things as well if these are things that you're not already doing. Go for a prayer walk or even a prayer drive. But here's the key. Preferably go someplace that is completely unfamiliar to you. Whether it's NSF or even driving down or up the coastal highway. Go somewhere that looks completely unfamiliar to you. You know, it's funny, I find that like um, people that live in certain neighborhoods in this city, they often don't venture very far outside of their own neighborhood. And so like, if you live in the Mission, you know, go to the Presidio. Or if you live in the Sunset or the Richmond, you know, come get some sun over like in the dog patch or something. <laughs> if you live in the Marina, go to Bernal Heights or Twin Peaks. Or better yet, if you have a car, take a, a drive down the coastal highway. We live in a really awesome place, guys. There are so many places that you can go uh, within 30 minute drive from, from the city um, that are so vastly different. I mean, we, we live in the one uh, place where locals love doing touristy things. So there's no shortage of, of things for us to do. But one of my personal favorite things to do is to drive up and down uh, the coastal highway. I, li I like to drive Route 1 uh, down towards uh, Santa Cruz. And I like to stop at scenic overlooks. And this is where, um, you know, I can just reflect and meditate and pray. And these are significant ways for me personally to get away with God and wrestle through all the things of my heart. And I'm gonna share a story with you that I'm, I'm really hopeful that's not too soon for me to share, um, but I'm gonna give it a shot. Uh, I've shared this with some of you. Last, uh, last month, my son was in the hospital for three days. And he's, re he's now recovering, he's doing well, but at the time, it was a very stressful time for my family. I get this call from him, you know, he has to go to the emergency room. And I was thinking, well, they'll probably discharge him later that night. Well, one minute turned into the next, turned into the next. Next you know, I'm booking a last minute flight down to Southern California. See, I knew it was too soon. <laughs> it was very disorienting for us as a family. You know, we found ourselves praying heavy hearted, in worry-laden prayers. It was a pretty ser serious situation at the time. And, and what I found was, is that there were moments when I was struggling and wrestling with God. I was having a hard time connecting with him and an even harder time seeing how, where and how he was at work. And I couldn't sense it because my worry was drowning out my ability to be present with him. But now, one month later, I could see now what I couldn't see back then. I needed time. Looking back, I can see how God pulled my family together in really intimate ways. My wife, my daughter, my in-laws, my parents, my siblings, you know, some people in, in the community who I shared with what was going on. I really felt God's love through uh, the people and prayers um, that God brought into my life. But I couldn't see that in the moment because I was consumed and drowning in worry. 
See, the reality is that worry chokes out our ability to see where and how God is at work in our lives. Worry blinds us. It robs us of clarity. It robs us of peace. Worry makes us think irrational things, many of which, by the way, never happen. Did you know that according to, a research, uh, to researchers at Penn State that only 8% of the things that we worry about actually come true? In other words, less than one in 10 things that you stress about actually happen. 92% of the things that we worry about never happen and they affect our ability to see God clearly. Now, I'm not saying don't worry in some kind of like dismissive kind of way. I know that there are people who are wrestling with real loss and very heavy things. But what I am saying is that we need to be aware that our worry will skew our ability to see God. Many of us know this story. Jesus in the boat with his disciples at sea in the middle of the storm and Jesus is totally at peace asleep in the stern of a boat. And while his disciples were uh, in a panic and literally drowning in worry. And they go to Jesus and they wake him up and they say, do you even care? I mean, how many times in our hearts have we uttered these words? God, do you even care? God wants so badly for us to know his presence is with us and he will not leave us because of his love for us. Now I know right now it feels like there are parts of our church and church community that are experiencing some kind of loss. I mean, there was the recent loss of our dear brother, Joseph Ruiz. I know others in community uh, who have experienced uh, loss of health or loss of family members, a sibling, a child, a grandparent, you know, we're getting close to the holiday season and for some of us, it will be a hard season where we feel loss, a loss of joy. We'll feel totally gone. And maybe you're in the middle of, of your own stressful time uh, where your mind is worry laden and your spirit is heavy hearted. And you're having a hard time even finding words to pray. Well, if that's you, first, I wanna say that my heart goes out to you. I wanna tell you, and I don't mean this in some kind of like trite or, or I don't want this to sound like uh, some kind of platitude, but, I, but I, I wanna say this to you from a place of love and with sincerity. God is with you. He is there. And his promise is never to leave you or abandon you. God weeps with us. He is present with us through the things that we're going through even when we can't see it or feel it. One day we will be able to look back and see how he was there in some kind of way. Now, I can't really explain the mysteries of God and why he works the way he works. I don't know why he heals some people and not others. The Bible actually tells us that no one knows the mind of God, but the spirit of God. But I do know that God is actively at work in our lives. You know, if, 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 
any of this resonates with you or if you fall into one of these categories, I wanna invite you uh, to something, a ministry we have here called Grief Share. They meet on Tuesday nights here at the church. And there are people in the space who can hold a space uh, with you, with the loss that you're feeling and experiencing. This is a place where um, together you can take your needs to God. And this leads me uh, to our second point this morning, which is our need for prayer. We need prayer for many reasons, um, but I wanna highlight just some specifically. First, we need prayer because we have needs. God knows that we have needs and God chose prayer as a way for us to meet him in conversation and express those needs. In fact, uh, one of the mysteries of prayer is that God knows what we need before we even ask. And I know sometimes we may wonder why we need to pray at all if God already knows what we're gonna ask. Well, I think it's because God desires a real and genuine and authentic relationship with us. He knows that we have needs and he wants for us to look to him to meet those needs. You know, in Jesus, uh, in, in his model prayer that he taught us, uh, he taught us to pray, Give us this day our daily bread. He didn't teach us, give us tomorrow or give us next week or even give us next year our daily bread. He said, give us this day, today, right now. This request uh, for today's daily bread is, is, is at the heart of Jesus' model for prayer. In his book, Praying Like Monks and Living Like Fools, Tyler Statton says, Daily bread is the central third request, the hinge on which the whole prayer turns. Daily bread is the heartbeat at the prayer center. Focusing on what we need today help us to stay focused on God in the present moment. And there's something about present presence in prayer. There's something about being in the moment with God, asking for what we need, not for tomorrow or next week or next year, but being present to what we need right now. You know, one of my pastors uh, from a past season of life, he used to say, when the macro of life is too much, focus on the micro. When the big picture of life feels too overwhelming or, or feels like it's too much, focus on today, focus on this present moment. The second thing uh, we need prayer for is because we need to breathe spiritually. St. Augustine refers to prayer as the breath of our souls. He says, prayer, the exercise of your relationship with God is what fills that void. And it's the only natural filler. All other substitute loves will let you down. Praying is as natural as breathing because prayer is the breath of the soul. You know how when someone is overwhelmed and they're hyperventilating, you think, calm down, just breathe. We need reminders like that to pray, just like that person needs reminders to breathe because prayer is the breath of our souls. But sometimes we've run out of words or we feel like we don't even know what to pray for. It's as if uh, we've run out of breath spiritually or, or like the wind gets knocked out of our breath spiritually. 
prayers can be hard to speak and we can't find the words. Well, when this happens, I wanna encourage us to look to the Psalms, many of, many of which are beautiful pictures um, of honest and contending prayers. You know, I experienced this when my son was in the hospital. There were times when words in prayer felt really hard to come by. And when that happened, the Holy Spirit led me to reading Psalms, which in turn led me to writing and journaling my own Psalm. And that written prayer was real and it was honest and it was rooted in raw emotion. And in my Psalm, I complained about how unfair the situation felt, mostly because, you know, my son is only 19 and this is not what you'd expect to go through at such a young age. But also I was able to express raw and honest dreams, not just for my son, but for my daughter and for my family, for the lives that I'd hoped that they would live. Sometimes though, all we have in our prayers are groans. That's why Jesus sends us his Holy Spirit. Romans 8:26 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. You ever wonder where the mmm comes from in church? <laughs> well, that's the Holy Spirit. Next, we need prayer because prayer activates our faith. We need prayer because prayer helps us put our faith into action. You know, my wife, when I was <clears throat> wrestling through this sermon um, and wrestling through the thoughts, uh, she, asked, she said this. She said, prayer is faith in action. When we have faith, we believe in something that we cannot see. So when we pray, we're putting our faith into action. We need prayer because prayer activates our faith. And lastly, we need prayer because prayer is a part of our formation process in Jesus. Prayer is a part of our spiritual formation and our maturation process in our discipleship to Jesus. St. Augustine says, the search for God then has the function of transforming our minds, which in turn transforms our hearts. Now I'd like to close with uh, our last point. That is our hope in prayer. Our hope in prayer is a deeper and more intimate relationship with God. And we, we, when we enter into this practice, this is one way that we remain in Jesus. In John 15, four, Jesus says, abide in me. And when we abide in Jesus, our hope is to be in the presence of God and to grow in more awareness of his presence in us. Because it's in God's presence that we ultimately find our deepest peace and deepest rest. Dave uh, Lomas often will pray uh, words of St. Augustine when he says, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they, find, until they find rest in you. Now I wanna end uh, this morning with the Lord's Prayer, but like I mentioned before, sometimes it feels like our words can fail. Like God's, never, God's word never fails, but sometimes we feel like our words fall short. 
And so one thing I wanna encourage you to try sometime is maybe when you feel like your words are hard to come by is rewrite God's words in, in, in your own words. Maybe in the Psalms or another scripture that resonates with you. I mean, this is a great way to meditate and reflect uh, on the word of God. And I found this to be really helpful, a really helpful practice uh, in, in my relationship with Jesus. And so I'm actually gonna read a prayer to you that I actually rewrote about 20 years ago in my journal. And um, I'm gonna read this in the Rev Kev translation for you. So. <laughs> so this is the Lord's prayer as we close. Our beloved Father, You are the one who holds the heavens. So holy is your name. Bring your kingdom to this place. Let us all submit to your grace. Let us be as the angels in your presence, ready to hear, ready to listen, ready to do your will. Please forgive us for what we cannot repay. Help us, God, to forgive others for what they can't repay. Lead us not to be tempted, but only to what is good in your sight. Keep us free from death, God, and free from whom death was created for. For all belongs to you, God, even us. You hold the power, you are the power. Jesus is your glory, the brightness of your glory for all eternity.